0: Well, hello and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast. It's an elder led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson and I'm your host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here, we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. So if you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments and share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thanks for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this episode in particular greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and your benefit. Well, we are back for another episode. I'm back with Jason, and if you've seen the title of this episode, we're, this is kind of a part two, a, uh, a follow-up episode from one we did a couple of weeks ago with our guest Morris Bean. He's in Greenville, Texas. He's a biblical counselor. Been doing it a long time. And um, I'm, I'm here today with Jason and Morris. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, definitely. Glad to have Morris, and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah.
1: Well, it's good to be here today. Thank you very yeah. much.
0: Yeah, we're glad to have you back. Uh, we just had lunch at the best barbecue in Raines County. That's right. And that's Marshall's Barbecue. Right. We might even go so far as to say the best in the state. Well, Aaron would appreciate that. <laughs> yes, yes. Aaron Marshall is the owner, and he would, yeah, I, I would. I've had some really good barbecue, and uh, it's it will stand, it, it's award winning. Let's say that. It's there you delicious. Go. There if you go. haven't been, go to Marshall's barbecue and grab you some brisket or turkey. Their turkey is ex- excellent. Uh, but we are here today. We want to pick up where we left off. Um, In our previous episode, again, just for context, our church is looking to, at the beginning of 2023, we want to kick off a new biblical counseling ministry. It's going to be primarily headed up by Jason and uh, one of our members who will be soon to be an elder, Lord willing, uh, Patrick Covington, and these two guys are going to be kind of spearheading it. We have a few other folks who are going to be involved in that as well. We are looking forward to what God is
2: going to do. Through this new ministry, absolutely, we are. Thank you, Duffy, for that plug there. Because what we've tried to do through podcast and in conversation, uh, in our members' meetings, we we've tried to communicate. This is where we're going, and of course, we've actually been working on this for. Uh, two years over. It seems like it's so long since you started it, right? (laughs) Well, uh, certainly all the year that you've been here, you came to this church in January of 2022, and we've been working on it all year. And then before you came, we were working on it as well. And um, it's it's something that we're looking forward to um, diving into and uh, getting the details um, all ready for people to make appointments to be able to come in and receive the counseling. And, of course, our whole goal ultimately is that it's a means to share the gospel. That's, That's the right. vision for That's it. That's
0: exactly right. It's a, it's an opportunity for us as a church to bring in those who would not normally grace the doorsteps of a church in a lot of respects, and they would come to r- looking for help. And we do have help, mm-hmm. but we have, we, we have the only real help right. that we're convinced of is the gospel, yes. and we want to be able to share right. that with anyone and everyone through this specific means. So um, Jason, um, why don't you go ahead and get us kicked off for this episode? We've got a lot of good content. <coughs> Morris is going to talk us through several things. Um, this is going to be one episode that you're going to want to listen to, share it, especially if you're curious about biblical counseling. I'm looking forward just to sitting here and, and, and listening to uh what, what Morris has for us today as we are looking forward and planning for opening up this biblical counseling ministry. Jason, take it away for us.
2: Okay. Uh, again, this is the part two of thinking about biblical counseling. And again, we've got uh, Morris being with us and Morris and I go back a long way in friendship. Um, Morris has been in vocational ministry in Hunt County for 37 years and uh, has a counseling ministry that um, he has been involved in in one location in downtown Greenville for I think the last 30 years. Is that right, Morris? 32? Wow. And um, so Morris has got some insight, some experience, some expertise that he can bring to this conversation. And We started part one with talking about um, what is biblical counseling, what is the difference between informal, and formal counseling, what is the difference between preaching and biblical counseling, and some of those type questions. In this episode, Morris, we wanted to kind of focus on what it is to start a biblical counseling ministry. How does the church need to think about that? What are some practical things that we need to look for? And uh, just get some of your insights, some of your thoughts. And as you might recall, I did send you some of our paperwork that we were um, looking at as, as part of the entrance forms and uh, liability forms and all those kinds of things and you were able to, to look through those and give us an approval on those and, and that was helpful so thank you for doing that but but why don't you start with this Morris tell us your own story how did you get started with your counseling ministry and where did that uh, originate and how did how did you uh, then open it up to the public
1: okay uh, um, I began the biblical counseling ministry in 1985. Well I was at Ridgecrest Baptist Church there in Greenville, um I was there for three years full time um and I was going through discipleship training with Dr. Bobby Hamilton, who was a pastor of Ridgecrest at that time, and so we worked very closely in in counseling. He discipled me in biblical counseling and people have asked me the this question I think you you pretty well ask it, why are you doing what you do?" Okay, well, two reasons. One, God called me and I said yes, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Pastor Hamilton told me that if he called right. you, you say yes, sir, and yep, I did.
2: That's right.
1: The other reason is something that Pastor Hamilton taught me from the very beginning that and it was a challenging statement, and I'll I'll lay this out there for you that every problem that we encounter in our lives as human beings, is a direct result of original sin. That's right. Every single problem. <clears throat> now, it can be the result of original sin, I think, from three perspectives. One, we live in a fallen world. While God created us to live in a perfect environment, we no longer live there because sin was introduced into uh, into our world. Mm-hmm. And so... Our bodies age, our bodies don't work the way God intended them to in a perfect environment, so there's illness we're seeing just all kinds of stuff and we've had you know just recently our church at cross Point fellowship um and they had they had moved to another fellowship because they they were closer into dallas he was the the their twelve year old son died of cancer, you know. When, when your fellowship is preparing for the funeral of a 12-year-old mm-hmm. with cancer, how do you deal with that? Well, the way you deal with that, you recognize that's a direct result of original sin. He didn't cause it. There wasn't anything that caused that he did that caused the cancer. But in the fallen world, that happens. Okay, the second aspect of that is other people's sins will directly or indirectly impact me. Okay, so that problem also has its origins in original sin. And then the third aspect is my own personal sin has consequences. So every problem that I encounter is a direct result of original sin. Mm-hmm. Because of that, the Bible, the Holy Bible that God gave us is our counseling textbook. Mm-hmm and if you look at it from that perspective it doesn't make everything go away but it gives you the tools that you need right whether it's a physical problem that they yeah they they need physical medicine they need doctors and they need the the body shop aspect of that there are things in scripture that help that as well helping them live by the grace that they need to go through that then if it's somebody else's sin again that grace is needed. If it's our own personal sin, we need our confession. We need our repentance. We need God's grace. So, the Bible is is a counseling textbook. That's why I do what I do. Right. That's the second reason I do. So, um, so you,
2: you, so you that, got you got started at Ridgecrest, yep. and then after uh, three years, you de- you determined that you could go on your own and go downtown or, or at an office separate from the church?
1: Well, actually, I joined the Greenville Family Medical Center. Okay. Ken Patterson was the owner and a, a, a general family practitioner. His wife, Sheila, was also. He and I were ordained as deacons at Ridgecrest. So I started doing some work at his office mm-hmm. that actually gave me the avenue to get my internship done so I could I could then qualify to be a licensed professional counselor. Right after about two years of doing that, so I was there actually for four years. Kendra had my wife Kendra had been encouraging me just get out on your own. Mm-hmm. You know if you're in another medical practice, no doctors are going to refer to you kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, but you know what's going on? I was getting a paycheck
2: mm-hmm.
1: every week. The office manager was writing a paycheck and bringing it to and handing it to me. Right, that was really comforting. Oh. But then in August of '92, Ken and Sheila sold their medical practice and they went to the medical mission field in Kyrgyzstan. And I was given 30 days to find another place to go. And I was a little bit no. I was a whole lot terrified. Right. Because I'd gotten used to that paycheck. So right, right. I remembered something that Pastor Hamilton told me. He said, Morris, if this ever becomes a job, you're in trouble. Well, to be honest, it had become a job probably that last year that I was there. Um, so I sat down in my office after about 10 minutes of panic mm-hmm. of what am I going to do? Then I literally bowed my head and surrendered that to god and the next sunday i went to Richcrest and i was teaching an adult bible study and i said hey i need y'all to be praying for me i've got to find another office i don't know where i'm going to go i've got 30 days one of the gentlemen in that class came up and he said my individual office is vacant downtown i'm not using it anymore you can use it if you want to and I said, thank you. So wow. we went down there the next week. He gave me a key. He said, you're not going to have to pay me anything. He said, let's talk again in six months. So six months later, I said, you know, everything's, I have more than doubled my client loads since I've been down here. And I can pay rent. And he goes, I'll, I'll let you pay the, the the electricity bill. So for the next six months, I just paid the, the GEUS bill.
2: Wow.
1: And after a year, I said after that six months, I said, "We really need to figure this out. I'm I'm really doing okay. I can pay rent." He said, "Okay, we well, can pay me another hundred <laughs> dollars." So for about another six months, I paid another hundred. that was about 150 dollars at that point, and you know that was in 92, 93. So that was still an unbelievable price. Mm. So the next year, he went up another 150 dollars, and I paid that for the next 30 years.
0: Wow. That's crazy. That he is. and he and his wife. God is good, isn't He? <laughs> yeah. He and his
1: wife said, "Look, Morris, we're going to do this, and we believe this is our contribution mm. to the counseling mm. ministry here in Greenville." Wow. So they've been faithful to do that, and wow. And um, I'm still basically paying the same thing, but he readjusted it after after the tornado and the fire downtown, and we thought we were going to lose that building, and he remodeled it. He moved back into the primary office as his and. I'm in the secondary office, but it's still the same thing. And mm-hmm. their blessing has just gone from there.
2: Wow. You know? wow. So
1: God's been great.
2: Wow. So then, uh, le- what, legally, what were some of the hurdles that you have to go through to, to start that ministry? And, and do you see anything in regard to the church, um, the kinds of things that we need to be? Uh, looking out for, and what kind of protections do we need to give ourselves when we're just asking the public to come in?
1: Okay. Um, it's a little bit different being in an independent practice that I'm in versus mm-hmm. the church, mm-hmm. um, but one of the things that's going to be the same, and that's, as I read through this question, you know, I realized, okay, this is this is something you need to be aware of. You need to be aware of liability issues. Mm-hmm. It's very real. We we live in a litigious society. Mm-hmm. People sue at the drop of a hat, mm-hmm. um, and so everybody that's associated with that ministry here at at Believers needs to have needs to be written into that protection as well. Um, so you, you've got to have a liability. You probably do for the for the staff, but going into a biblical counseling ministry. Uh, you need to check with the insurance people to see what's going to be available, you know, for y'all to be able to cover everybody there. Um, mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a problem. In 37 years, I've not had an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you'd even ask in the questions that you gave me, is there a reason for keeping an attorney on right. on standby? You know, on
2: retainer. On a
1: retainer. That's mm-hmm. what I was looking for. And I never have, mm-hmm. but I know several I can call. And I've never needed that in 37 years. So God's been good in that. But one of the things that I learned early on, and I went to, uh, when I was thinking about starting my own practice and I had to get a tax ID number and I had to do all that other stuff, I can, I can, I can bill insurance, so I needed the tax ID number and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so he, he sat down and he said, now let me tell you the benefits of having employees. So he went through about 10 minutes of benefits of employees. And he said, now, if it's possible, let me tell you the benefits of doing an independent, as an independent practitioner with no employees. If you can do that, your life's going to be much easier and more simple. And so he spent about 30 minutes explaining the benefits of not having employees uh-huh. and just being myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's by God's grace. That's what I've been able to do for 37 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do my own paperwork. I've, you know, God prepared me in typing class in high school in Fort Stockton, Texas, mm-hmm. um, with an IBM Selectric typewriter. I was typing 80 words a minute. <laughs> wow! You know, yeah. So fire! <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, Actually, with the computer now, it's more like 120, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I can do all my own paperwork. i get all of that, that done. But um, that's one of the things to be careful when you have numerous people is to make sure that everybody there is covered. Mm-hmm. Okay. From, you know, from a liability issue, because mm-hmm. it's possible. Yeah. All, all yeah. of that exists within it's the It's sad. The and
0: that, that right there comes back to your all originates from original sin. Yep that even us attempting to offer this great service to folks who are struggling with life issues there's <laughs> we're still going to be dealing with uh undesirable consequences when oh, when right I that's mean, why we've isn't set that up, so
2: sad it is sad and that's why we've set up the rooms with yes. Uh, cameras. yes have got a camera in here we've got yes. a camera in the other room as yes. well yeah and, and we've got cameras uh, throughout other places in the building but yep. but particularly these rooms as you were just mentioning that that we will actually be sitting down and and counseling but um, I guess more one of the th- one of the things that we want to think about is um, recognize that people, are in different places. When we talk about biblical counseling, we are saying that we're going to counsel believers or unbelievers from the Word of God. When we're counseling believers, there's a thing called progressive sanctification. And progressive sanctification, how how do we understand that with a counseling ministry?
1: Okay, I want to make sure that we're using the same definition for that term okay so, okay let me tell you where i am as i see progressive sanctification it's the ongoing impact that that salvation experience has on my life in practical steps day by day throughout my life
2: yes Okay. Yes, it's that's right.
1: it for me it's based on one of the places philippians 1 6 where god says through paul i'm confident of this that he who began a good work in you will keep on perfecting it until the day of Christ Jesus. Right. So we're, we're saved instantly. Right. The moment that we call Jesus our Lord, okay, he has, he has called us before, he did the work, he sanctified us, but we're being sanctified. Mm-hmm. So we're saved, we're being saved, we've already been saved, it's, it's a three-in-one process, but where I am today is not where God wants me tomorrow mm-hmm. or even this afternoon. Right. It's that as I'm in touch with him and he shows something to me in my life that I need to change, to transform, then I'm to do that. So we, we see that in counseling. Someone starts it at, at a certain spot. And if we're not careful, we can look at our client and say, you know, how many times have we talked about this? I've told you 18 times, and you had not gotten it yet. Right. Well, that's the wrong perspective. It's where are you in this? Right. What is God doing is they can testify what God is doing. Mm. Then there's change going on. Um, I remember um, I said I wouldn't chase rabbits, but this will be the first okay <laughs> we we had a we had a man come into ridgecrest one time and and he, he was he was a professor at the seminary over in fort worth and he came in and he was talking about sanctification this very process that we're talking about today and he said let me tell you my experience in that he said he had gone to this church for a a two-week revival this was back in the 70s probably um and the first night it was i mean there was like a foot of snow on the ground. This guy comes in and he's in he's in a sleeveless leather jacket, weighed about two hundred and eighty pounds and probably five percent body fat i mean he was just a a manster you know, uh-huh. big man, right. so he comes in and he sits down in the front row and he's just shivering. He's obviously cold and so at the end of the service, he walked up to the to the guest pastor. And he said, I don't understand everything that you've just talked about, but I want to know more about this man named Jesus. So they sat for two hours and talked after the service that night. Well, the next night, he was there, and he had a couple of the other bouncers from this strip club that he was working at, a couple more bouncers. So they were there, and people in the congregation started getting really uncomfortable. (laughs) Well, then the third night, he had some of the dancers. Oh my. There and they had a whole section on the front right hand side, and then there was a large number of empty pews before any <laughs> oh. of the the congregants, you know, sit down. And they were there every night for those two weeks. Wow! And the man that started and they started filtering off after a couple of nights, but that that first that first man that was there the first night he was there every week, every week, every week gave his life to the Lord, asked for forgiveness, you know, and then he would get up after the service and he would go to the strip club where he was working as a bouncer. So the the visiting pastor had talked to this guy for the two weeks that he was there and then he introduced him, and he would introduced him before to the pastor, but kind of handed him off at the end of that two weeks and said, I need you to sample this young man and, and talk to him and, you know, just meet his needs. So they did. And the pastor called the the guest pastor and he said, we gotta talk," he said. We've been two months in this, and he's still working at at the bar. He's a bouncer, and yeah, he's telling people about Jesus. But you know, there's a lot of people in the congregation that are that are nervous about that, and they want him to change. Okay. They're almost almost demanding you you tell him he's got to get another job. And the pastor said, "No, that's up to the Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. Well, about six months into this process, the guy made an appointment with the pastor, and he said, "Pastor." Uh, I think I need another job.
0: Mm, interesting. <laughs> right. He said. Interesting how that works. He said,
1: I've witnessed that everybody that comes in and out of that mm. place. He said, I feel like I'm getting stale there. Yeah. So I-, I want you to help me walk through this. That's progressive sanctification. Amen. Yes, that's yes. a great illustration. Yes. Great story. It, Thanks for
2: sharing that. Yeah. Right. I think that's where I was going with the question and thinking about the uh, the value of understanding that correctly. Uh, in a biblical counseling ministry that that it, it, the, the work of the Spirit um, may not be um, as, um, in, now I won't say intentional, but as uh, quick maybe um, as well, you would hope I, and I th- think.
0: Yeah, I think where you're wanting to go with that is I think in our minds, and we all work like this, especially in a day and age like we are today where everything is instantaneously available to us. Yes. We think sanctification ought to be instantaneous. Yes. And it's like microwave Christianity where you hear a good sermon, you know, you have an exhortation, go be this or go work on this. Every good sermon has application and exhortation. Yes. Mm -hmm. But then nothing happens or so Mm. we think. Right. Mm. And then it's years sometimes down the road and, that person will come back, Jason. You've probably heard this before. Like, I remember this. You said this one time, and I resented it. Yes. But then the Lord started working on me, and I'm so thankful that you said this. Right. And it's five years down the road, anyways. Right. Um,
2: that happened we, to me just recently. There's a there's a couple that comes to the church, and they've just been coming for the last couple of years. And when we reconnected, we'd known each other before. And when we reconnected, um, he told me. Uh, his salvation story, and it was something that I had said. I, I had no idea, you know, and the thing, he was no an ex-Marine, and he, he had no love for people, just, just you know, he's trained uh, to think differently than most people, Um, and so he was just in another place, and he said, it was something that you said, and then God began to work, and so the Holy Spirit, it uh, was one, obviously, that brought him to salvation, but those yeah. kinds of yeah. things happen, you
0: don't realize it. Yeah. So the progressive sanctification portion of biblical counseling has to come into play with expectations, right? Mm-hmm. We have to be uh, we have to understand going into it. and and this goes for those who are uh, facilitating the counseling, but also for the church members, right. Um, that those who support it with either prayer or uh, what, however they support it, um, it's this is a, a time issue. Right. And, and and there may not be tangible fruit from it right away. May, there may be, but I'm sure Morris, you can say sometimes you probably are just racking your head against the wall thinking, Am I doing I mean, okay. are we just wasting time here? I mean, I'm sure you probably have many stories and then later on you hear something about,
2: Wow, okay, that did something stuck. <laughs> you know, something that you're saying though, uh Duffy, that that again leans into this and, and it ties to the story that you just told, Morris, because if we have a biblical counseling ministry and, and God would bless it and show his mercy and give us grace and we're able to have clients and God begins to work and they begin to attend church, which would be one of the um, requirements that we actually have. and. Uh, a loose requirement, but that they would at least come to church once a week. If they start coming and they're the biker type, or they're the bouncer type, or they're the strip dancer type, you know, the congregation is going to have to think uh, well about this. Yes, um, or it's not going to yes to go as it we hoped. really
0: will take. A, it will take our whole church being involved in this yes. situation. Yes, mm-hmm. understanding those things on the front end can be uh, hugely impactful. I think for the success of Know, whatever we label success as, but
2: right, and we've we've talked a little bit about um, the sufficiency of Scripture. We talked about that in part one, and you know you've already mentioned it already um, in our conversation in this com uh, this episode, Morris. Uh, so let's let's go with the expectations. Then, what are some of the the things that perhaps um, a a church uh, some realistic expectations that a church might expect um, when we talk about starting a, a biblical counseling ministry. Uh, what 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 can a church think uh, about here's the results or here's the obvious things that we can see as the part of the ministry?
1: Um, I, I think the rem- remembering and focusing on the fact that God is the one that's in control. Mm-hmm. The timing is up to God. Um, we may have some expectations of ourselves, mm-hmm. but if if my expectations trumps God's work, I've just set a stumbling block. Mm-hmm. For example, mm, rabbit number two. Okay. <laughs> when when I first started counseling, I made a commitment to God. I will never let a counselee leave my office that I don't pray with them. I mean, I was I was firm on that. Right. And for three and a half years I stuck to that. Always and I would ask them, is it okay if I pray with you? And they did, always, 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 for three and a half years. I never missed never missed an appointment that I didn't pray with them before we ended. Well, this is when I was at the Patterson's Clinic, I was sitting in my office one day. Dr. Patterson, and the reason he wanted me there, he could send them to me at the church for counseling. Most of the time they didn't show up. Okay. So he could just walk them around the corner and deposit them in my office. They couldn't so, say no. Yeah. It was, it <laughs> was a locked-in op- situation. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> so he walked in, he said, Morris he introduced me to the young man. He said, I need you to talk with him. He's got some problems. I think you can help him. Okay. So we talked a little bit. At the end of the session, we were there about an hour. And at the end of the session, I asked him, I said, would you like to set another appointment? He said, sure. So we did. I got up and I shook his hand and he walked out. And as he walked out, I thought, I didn't pray with him. And I felt like I had dropped the ball. I don't know why I didn't pray with him. It just wasn't there. So I committed to God. God, he comes in next week. I'll pray with him before he leaves. For six weeks, every week he came in, I didn't pray with him a single time. He would be out the door before it would dawn on me. Oh, I forgot to pray with him again. And I didn't know what to do with that. I was really feeling bad. I felt like I had missed an opportunity. No, I didn't. Two years later, I get a phone call there at the clinic and he said, He said, Morris, I don't know if you remember me, he told me his name. I said, I do remember you, and immediately I felt guilty. And he said, I'd like to come in and talk with you. And I said, okay, sure. So he said, just 15 minutes. It doesn't need to be an appointment. I just need to chat with you yet. So when he walked in the next day, as he walked in, his face was different. His countenance was different. Everything about him was different. And he said, I've got a single question for you. And I said, what? And he said, in all that time that I was here before, why didn't you ever pray with me?
0: Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one question you
2: dreaded. Uh, yeah. I
1: did. I was. But he had such a smile. Just everything about his face was different. And I said, I have struggled with that very question for these two-plus years. And he said, well, let me tell you. He said, in the last eight months, he said, I have been drawn to this church fellowship. And he said, I've been going there. And he said, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And he said, and I've thought back on our counseling times. And (laughs) he said, Dr. Patterson told me that you were a biblical counselor. And as we were walking around the corner to come to your office, I said to myself, if he prays with me, I'll never come back. And he said, you didn't pray with me. Interesting. Wow. So I was intrigued. So I came back the next week Hmm. thinking he prays with me. I'm gone. He, never, he said, you didn't pray with me. He said, I came to you six times you not once prayed for me. Why? And I said, other than the leading of the Holy Spirit to not to, for three and a half years before that, ever counselee that I'd ever had, I prayed with until you.
0: That is wild.
1: And he said, if you'd have prayed with me, I wouldn't have been back. Hmm. And so from that point on, we we talked and I said, can we pray now? And he said, I want to pray for you. So he did. It was really sweet. Um, wow. But after that, I thought, I'm not going to tell God what I'm going to do.
2: Right. Mm.
1: I'm going to follow his lead. Mm. And there have been times that I, most of the time I pray with people, there are some times that I don't. But I don't question it now as if I need to do something.
0: And you don't have a,
2: uh, a pesky, guilty conscience. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So well, I think, you know, that the expectations that, the church members would have would be, um, that God is using, Uh um, the, the word, the spirit is working, um, that lives will be transformed. There will be some difficult decisions. There will be some difficult situations. Uh, the church family perhaps would even be asked to get involved in some of these situations. Let's say, for example, if there's a crisis pregnancy, um, that we could, uh, help with because um, a woman has determined to keep the baby, perhaps, as opposed to abortion. And we would then, you know, come alongside. And, and so I think that part of the expectations are what you just said, Morris, is just the the reliance upon the Holy Spirit, the the tool of the Word, and trust that God is going to uh, work in these situations and, and, and not have... Um, uh, fears, um, you know, that we're going to be overwhelmed or that um, this is going to go bad. And the reason why I say go bad is because the common view for the, even the Christian, about counseling is the pictures that we have of a man, you know, sitting in a chair, a client laying on a couch, and he's <laughs> taking notes. And he's trying to get out of that person um, something about their dreams, or dredging up something about their childhood, dredging up some experience that they had, and they're like they are because of this experience in the past. This is not what we're talking about. And so their ex- expectation can be a biblical, a Christian expectation, and not some worldly thought or idea about counseling. God is going to use this in in a powerful way. Now, it may be a trickle, and it may be five people for five years. I don't know. But the point is, God is going to use that.
0: Well, yeah, just let me jump in real quickly. I think also one aspect of these expectations ought to be that not every um, story we will, let's just put that, every person, every situation will have a... Um, <laughs> A happy cord- ending. Right. Um, they're, they're, the Lord sometimes chooses to work, and sometimes he lets sinners sin. <laughs> um, I know that sounds a little harsh, but that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he doesn't work in the way that we think he ought to work. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, we've seen that in our own lives. Yes. Um, with family maybe that we've prayed for or a friend that we know who has gone astray. Who knows what he's up to? Right. Some of those things are beyond our control. All of those things are beyond our control, but even uh, we, we, we come before God with expectations for Him to meet. Yes. And, and when when they're not, they may not have ever been that way to begin with,
2: you know, right. in His sovereignty and His plan. And, and I think that, you know, not every counselee is going to need the help of the corporate body to, to help. But as long as the corporate body is... Praying and aware uh, that God's Spirit is working and the Word is. Bathing sufficient. the ministry in prayer. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. That has to be fundamental. Yes. Bathing the ministry in prayer. Right.
1: One of the things that I was thinking about in this question of uh, what about the individual, the church's commitment to the sufficiency of Scripture? Mm-hmm. As it applies to starting this biblical counseling ministry, as believers, we' are to hold fast. Mm-hmm. We're to hold fast to the teaching of God's word to the that right. sufficiency of scripture. That's right. We hold fast to that, not based on what we see in the world, but based on what God's word says. Mm-hmm. You know in Hebrews 10:23 it says, "Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering." For he who promised is faithful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We, we have to focus on the end that God knows is in front, not what we see. Yeah. Right. We, we have to trust God. Um, and in doing that, we don't need any other tool or any other wisdom from outside in the world mm-hmm. to enhance what God has already given us.
0: And God's plans don't hinge on us being faithful. Exactly. That's a huge thing, is that sometimes we th- we might get caught up in this, well, I've got to do everything right. I've got to obey perfectly. I've got to do all of these things. But it's what does that scripture say? I love that. It says, who is faithful? It's God, God, Jesus. Not us. Yeah. <laughs> he. Not me. Yeah, I know that right. for yeah.
2: sure. Mm-hmm. He yeah. is faithful. Right. Along those lines, speak to us a little bit more about how important you think it is that um, a the elders, um, the leadership of a local church, be involved in supporting and uh, and and if you will, promoting this biblical counseling ministry.
1: Okay, there was um, about three weeks ago. I was involved in a weekend retreat, and I was I was doing one of the talks on the Holy Spirit, and the it was focused on the gifting of the Holy Spirit. Well, I saw something and I thought, I don't think I've ever seen this as part of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, we see Romans, we see 1 Corinthians, we see those lists of the gifts, but there are people gifts from the Holy Spirit, and the people gifts are the elders, Mm -hmm. the preachers, the Mm -hmm. teachers. Those are gifts from the Holy Spirit. And since the elders are one of the people gifts of the Holy Spirit to lead the church by the power of the Holy Spirit, this people gift is intended to help equip the saints. That's right. So the elders are essential. And the saints, by the way, if you've not ever heard this before, are all believers called by God. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, it's not just a certain few that have statues up Right, here. right. <laughs> this is, Thanks for clarifying. Y- yes. yeah, I, so. I agree
0: with you. <laughs> yeah,
1: for, for New Testament saints, it's all those who are called by God, period. Amen. But the elders are to equip the saints. So biblical counseling should be upheld for the local body of Christ as a tool for the people of God to be able to find help for their own life trials help for other people's trials, and use that as a tool for the church body that's provided by the leadership and for the leadership. Mm -hmm. So it's an essential.
2: That's good. Right. And and then in line with that, if you were starting uh, a biblical counseling ministry in a church, let's say that you were going to do one at uh, your church or even – what would advice would you give us if we're starting one to get the word out there to to let people know that this is available to them that it's a ministry that they could come to and be involved how would you do that
1: okay well in the the time that we've caught up after a number of years gap you know right, we've right. caught up and as you've told me about believers and what what God's done to the the fellowship here Y'all are already well into the introduction of this, and that is by sp- preaching the word. Purely, truthfully. That's
0: good to hear from you. Yeah, yes. With, Encouraging.
1: With without hesitation, without apology. Okay. So it sounds to me like y'all are already well in the in the right direction of preparing the priesthood of the believers. I mean, that's what elders have to do. Okay. That's necessary then. For the church to come along and see this biblical counseling ministry as as an essential for the for the fellowship and for the community. Um, Because if we at the church, as the church, don't provide answers for people who are needing them, where are they gonna go?
0: Someone will give them answers.
1: They're gonna be on the outside. It's going to be with the wrong direction. And it may even be well-intentioned people, which I'm not going to down by any way, anyway, in any way, shape, or form. But for them to hear the truth of God's Word is vital.
0: Right. Amen. So Amen. We, Yeah, that's right.
1: Uh, and so I, th- I think the church, I think Believers Baptists is already well in, in the right direction of being prepared. You have to continue that and make a transition to not just this is how this impacts your life on a day by day basis on Monday morning at the golf course or Tuesday afternoon in your cubicle or at the grocery store whatever, but be intentional in seeing people, Mm -hmm. you know, where are the people around you? Are they looking for help?
2: I want to cue in on uh, one thing that you said, and it goes back to the expectations that, that, dovetail into this, this idea of essential. It, it does need to be seen as essential because we do have answers. And because God has given us a sufficient word, he's given us uh, a, an authoritative word, a, an inspired word. And so that then qualifies us to give answers because we have the word and so it is essential, and if we um, have an expectation that it is an essential ministry that is an extension of the preaching of the Word, is another variation even of using the Word to bring to bear on people's problems, and particularly the sin issue as you began our conversation with, because every problem is a sin issue. Mm-hmm. And the word is sufficient to handle That's, that amen. sin issue. Amen. And so it, not only essential, but let's use another E word, evangelistic. So the expectations then are it's essential because of God's word, and it's evangelistic because of God's word. And those two things can come together to, to see God do miracles in people's lives. That's right.
1: Well, this is rabbit number three. Okay, maybe I'll stop with this one. But so often, as I was growing up, and you ask about my, my background, all of this actually started probably in high school. And I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't know what God was doing at the right, time, but sure. God did. But my friends would come to me and they'd talk to me about problems with their parents, or problems with the girlfriend or boyfriend, you know, whatever the situation was. And I always had a tendency to say, look, here's your problem. Here's what you do about it. Uh-huh. And I would give them very specific answers, even in high school. Now, I didn't have the focus on God's Word. Right. But what I've discovered through the years, and I hadn't looked at this in a long time, but there's at the time that I looked at it, there's like 265 schools of thought in psychology. Oh, wow. Not a single one is directive. Mm-hmm. Not a single one can you say, you need to do this. Mm. But, in biblical counseling, based on the truth of god's word and the, and the the inspired absolute of what god's word is, I can say here's the problem here's what you do mm-hmm. so well the gra-
0: the gra- if I could just jump in the gravity of the truth that god's word brings to bear on a person's life demands change it does it demands it you can't get, you can't
1: squirm out of it.
0: Um, I, I, I love that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great it's point. Not,
1: it's not my authority that I'm telling them what to do. Right. It's the authority of God's Word. Right. This is what God's Word says. And that's the way I present it. And even when I was in, the, in graduate school and i started biblical counseling, my supervisor said, I really don't understand what you're doing. But I know you're not hurting anybody, so go ahead. I'm like, okay, good, thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> and he said, but... By what authority do you say that? And I said, God's word. And he said, Well, as my understanding is, which was not real strong, he said, That's infallible. I said, Yes, sir, it is.
0: He sounded like he was at least on the right track. Wow. He was
1: on the right track. He was, he was. And I and I love the man. He was a great he was a great instructor for me and I learned a lot from him. But um Because of biblical counseling, I can look at this situation and say, here's the problem, here's what you do. And so homework is a vital part of what I do Mm -hmm. in counseling because they may not do a lot of change while they're in that one-hour session. The change comes later as they're reading through Scripture and letting God's, this is that progressive sanctification of God's Word coming into their life and then working on that.
2: Right, right, exactly. Well, let's let's wrap up our time, Morris, with one final question. And just the idea of we've already mentioned some things that we can think about for church members to uh, be involved with the biblical counseling ministry. Um, have uh, good expectations. Think about what that would be. Reasonable
0: expectations, too. I think practically,
2: right? Right. right. Sorry, I don't want to cut you off. No, but no. Reasonable expectations. Right. Reasonable, ex- reasonable expectations, but. But what are some other things that you think church members can do to be involved in a biblical counseling ministry?
1: Okay, the first thing they need to do is pray. Right. Okay. And when that prayer element is covered, pray more. (laughs) When it's covered even more, guess what?
0: Pray again. Keep praying. Keep on.
1: Always being praying. The second thing I think is to be available. Mm -hmm. Being available to God he can use you, but if you're not available, he's going to put somebody else He's going to use
0: whoever. Yeah, he's going to use whoever. Available. That's right. So
1: being available, it doesn't mean that you have to give up everything else in your life. Just, you know, trying to be, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be the Superman counselor. I mean, it's not that. Right. But it's as we walk three miles an hour through our life is being available for that step to stop, take a sidestep and minister to this person. Um, And so I think being available is one of the biggest things for the the promotion of a counseling ministry. Mm -hmm. You know, the solid teaching is there, the congregation is there, you're covering with prayer, and then be available. Right. If they may not be... Not everybody in the fellowship is going to be one of the counselors in the counseling ministry. Being, being available if somebody needs something. Mm-hmm. You know, if coming out of a counseling session, somebody needs <laughs> something tangible. Maybe, I mean, you, you mentioned the, maybe if there's a young lady that's, that's made a mistake and gotten pregnant, I mean, we can judge her and send her down the road in shame or Maybe we provide a place for her to stay. Right. If her family has kicked her out, maybe, you know, to be available in that way, to be available in prayer with financial assistance, with a meal, with whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that being available by the church, by the people of the church, is is an essential.
2: Absolutely. That's a good word. That is a good word. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to become what we call a house of refuge, which is tied to uh, love life uh, ministries and it's a pro-life ministry um, and we are trying to uh, create uh, a place it
0: really kind of this kind of like is a a, um, a two-sided coin with this biblical counseling ministry yes. and this it, it's kind of working out they're going to feed into each other I the, think they are, they are play uh, into each other yeah
2: we want a space for um, a woman to feel safe and for her to have the opportunity to have a Uh, the baby if she comes to us, and how do we help her then uh, deal with the the sin that perhaps was involved in that conception, and uh, now we want to help you with life and decisions and choices, and the church body then becomes involved with that. But another thing that we're talking about um, after the first of the year is having you come on Wednesday nights and do Competent to Counsel, Competent the Council is a book by Jane uh, J Adams. And uh, he is um, kind of the, as you said in our part one series, the... the. Um, Didn't you re- say he
0: was the godfather of biblical counseling? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's probably not Father the terminology. Father. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Father of <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I had to counseling. throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
2: competent to counsel. And we can have um, some of our folks, if they're interested in biblical counseling ministry, come and be a part of that training. And what a great opportunity that's mm-hmm. going to be.
1: Yeah, and that's... That that course is not to prepare anyone to be a full-time counselor. No, okay. But it provides an insight as to how how Scripture deals with the depro- the problem of anxiety mm-hmm. or of depression or anger, the aftermath of death or anger or you know whatever it might be. Um, God's word shows us that, and if we have that understanding. Guess what? Once you learn it, God's going to let you use that. He's going to put you in a situation and you know this isn't all the answers you'll ever need but you're going to be amazed at how many times you're going to remember it'll be brought to your memory this verse that you'd heard in this one particular week in Competent Council and you apply that to someone and help them see that and they're going to go, oh, I didn't know that. So, it, it helps us in just our daily walk as we come in contact with people, as God puts people in our pathway.
2: That's right. And, and that the important piece of that is not so much that somebody would sign up to be, as you said, a biblical counselor mm-hmm. in the biblical counseling ministry, but it just helps us in the informal counseling conversations yeah. that we have with one another, or if we even have outside of the congregation. Like if we're in the hallway or in the foyer of the church, and and somebody talks about in this the football
0: tr- grandstands, whatever over it is. a hot dog yes. or something. And yes, man, right. there's something going on. I, I'm having a. Our our people need to be ready to just jump in on those little conversations That's with right. little little nuggets right. of.
2: Yeah, right. absolutely. And competent to counsel will be a great way to uh, learn um, and look for those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, in essence, it can give give people in the church some band-aids mm-hmm. to yes. do some immediate band-aid counseling in the, there you go you know, to to you know that initial trauma yes to to put a band-aid of scripture in place and then say as you need to talk to talk more about this this is where you go that's good so that's you lead good. them that's in good. The right direction
2: that's good that's great yes but
1: but but you help stop the me- the immediate bleeding. Yeah. Right. Uh
0: what is that? Um oh, there's a term for that. Uh not triage, is it triage? triage. So you do that Im- immediate uh that immediate care on the way to the doctor, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To to that's good. Yes.
2: Well let's let's wrap up with this, Morse, yeah. because I know you've got a book that is uh, oh, yeah. in the editing process. Uh tell us a little bit about that. Just just for way of information.
1: Okay. Uh, the name of the book, actually there's two, but it's called Marriage of Honor. And it is a premarital counseling course that we've cool. put together over the years of counseling. Um, I've used it for uh, 25, probably between 25 and 30 years doing premarital counseling. It's become more formalized over the years, but it's always just been mine. Uh, I've got a brother-in-law who's also an ordained minister, and he was starting to do some premarital counseling, and he said, I, I need your book. And I said, I don't have a book. And he said, well, send me your outline. Can I use it? And I was like, yeah, as long as you don't give it to anybody else because I may publish it one of these days. Well, here we are 30 years later, and I'm in the process of publishing this. Cool. Um, so it is it is on the very end of the process, they're doing some final editing, they're doing the cover artwork, and there's going to actually be two books. One is the leader's guide that a pastor or a counselor could use to go through uh, 10 basic lessons on what to expect in the marriage, what God intended the marriage to be. And then there's a smaller book that's the, the participant's guide, and it's where they can take notes. As the leader is leading him through that, they can take notes. Um, so it'll be, actually, they've already assigned. I never thought I'd have anything with an ISBN number on it, you know. But oh, that's, got neat. Ones, so that's, that's neat. They've already yeah. made those assignments, and they're going to do all the marketing and everything else for me. Cool. I mean, it's really, it's, cool. it's, it's, it's really a cool deal. It's, it's a group called Covenant Books. Um, I saw their advertisement on my iPad one morning about 10 months ago, uh, while I was reading cartoons. <laughs> and it was a little ad that, you know. We were those, talking earlier
0: about how God works. Yeah, through things. the ads
1: always <laughs> pop up while you're doing yeah. stuff, you know, and and whether somebody was listening to my iPad, what I was doing, I don't know. But I told Kendra, my wife, something about, you know, Tom keeps after me to publish this book, and not Daniel, the, the guy I was telling you about that was in the ministry there in Steubenville. Um, he was after me to do it, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll do it. Well, it was like three days later, the sad pops up on my iPad. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, God, thanks. So, so <laughs> I pursued it, and it was so far, it's been a flawless and pain free process. Um, the hardest part about that was as I looked to send them the document, I realized about 80% of the content was not on paper. Wow, it was in my head. <laughs> you know? So I had kind of an outline. So I called the lady and I said, um, "You need this completed on paper." And she said, "Yeah, we can't publish what's in your head." Now.
2: So, <laughs>
1: so I spent about three months filling all the gaps in. Yeah, you know, which surprised me that there was that much that I hadn't written down. <clears throat> and so then I sent it to my brother-in-law, and he's like. Oh, well, I never knew you meant this. He'd, he'd gone you a know, different direction. He goes, okay, that makes sense. So we're in hopefully the final stages. I hope that they say by the end of the year I should have it. It right. should be available and out. And, and uh, so I'm looking forward to it. As Daniel told me, this friend of mine, he said, Morris, you've got stuff in your head that one of these days you're not going to be here, and the next generation needs that. So I'm excited to be able to do that. I don't care if I make a penny off this book or not. But if it will facilitate a pastor or a counselor in doing, I think, the all-important work of premarital counseling. And it's really my favorite kind of counseling because it's preventative.
0: Yes, yes. Love that. Yes, yes. That's well, worth I'm a whole other episode on that word preventative. <laughs> 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 we're that, in fact, we can do that in the future. Yeah, that would yeah. be something to talk we'd love to, to, to We'd love to have you back again yes. at, later on down the road. As we're all going to be working through these uh, issues of counseling and stuff, but um, let, let's kind of button this episode up. We are looking forward to your book coming out. I know that Jason and I, and I know that Patrick some of our others, we'd love to have that on our shelf
2: um, for any future uh, needs, sure it will be a great I, resource. Yes, and I want to use it as a tool. Just you know, I was doing a premarital counseling earlier this fall, and I was giving Duffy uh, my uh, my yeah. notes, and this is what I'm uh-huh, going to be doing. Uh-huh. And, uh And now be, you don't have to. I we know. Can just it's all <laughs> in Morris's book, so we yeah. look forward to that coming out.
0: Yeah. Well, that's it for today's episode. We thank you for sticking around. This was a little bit longer of an episode, but. Um, Specifically, we are excited about getting this counseling ministry up off the ground soon. So um, thank you, listener, for taking the time to check this episode out today. We hope it's been a blessing to you. Don't forget, before we go, to like and share this podcast on social media, uh, through text message, email, however you share content. Please send it to someone that you think would be interested in this. Lastly, before you go, um, if you ever, ever have a question, Uh, that is sparked by something we talk about on the podcast and you'd like to have us answer it you can go to our media tab on our church website go to the box at the bottom and ask us a question through the media tab but until next time as always grace and peace be with you all